Hi there, I'm Kenny Gold, and welcome to the Five Things Podcast. This week, we are taking a break from talking about social and digital media to have a more important conversation. We're here to talk about the injustice towards Black people in our country. Racism, bigotry, and oppression have been rife in America for 401 years. With the recent murder of George Floyd, the hands of police officers in Minnesota, the conversation around systemic racism is again front and center. But this time, it feels different. Those who sat quietly on the sidelines before see move to action. They want to help. The burden should not and cannot rest on the shoulders of our Black brothers and sisters. So the question is, what can allies do to join the fight? Today, I will be discussing with three Black colleagues five things that people can do to combat racist violence right now. We are not naive to the fact there are way more than five things to do, but for today, we will have an open roundtable discussion on some tangible actions that will make a difference. We acknowledge that no matter what, it will never be enough. For those of us who haven't been a part of this fight yet, we know that whatever we start in this moment won't be perfect, but we must act. Joining me today, we have Lori Bullock, Ish Traore, and Daniel Hunt. Lori is a vice president and executive integrated producer who helps our most storied brands create content that change brand perception. This includes AARP and Eli Lilly. Lori has been a part of Gray's workforce for 20 years. Ish Traore is a content architect who over the last 18 months has helped identify and create how brands can develop social and influencer content that lives at the center of culture and behavior. This includes work for Procter & Gamble, Rock Nation, and Canon. Additionally, his work with Coral Studios has had major impact on helping to save and protect the Great Barrier Reef. And Danielle Hunt, a five-year veteran of Gray, supports the digital, social, and innovation teams across North America. She helps ensure that partnerships with Social Media Week, Betaworks Studios, and all of our platform partners are operating as smoothly as possible. Lori, Ish, Danielle, welcome to The Five Things. Let's get started. Lori? Thank you, Kenny. Um, for today, uh, regarding The Five Things, I kind of came up with some things that we can do people can do, specifically white people can do, to be um, really down for the cause and helping to fight white supremacy, racism, and be active at it. Um, here are my five tips. Be an effective anti-racist by educating yourself. There's lots of information um, currently on the internet, at libraries that you can find. I've also provided some um, guide along the way and some of my postings that can help that you can take a look at later. Um, so that's number one, be an effective anti-racist by educating yourself. Two, defunding the police. Obviously we know we're living in a very tumultuous time of police brutality. It is systemic and there is a reason for it. If we defund police departments across the country that have been killing black men, black people, bodies in particular, and set that money aside for homelessness and mental health, I think we can see a greater reduction. Number three, use your privilege for good and organize white people to support Black causes. That's really inserting yourself for the greater good and being active with your privilege 
to help make a real difference in our communities, not just being a detriment to our lives. And we want you to support Black business. That's actually putting your green and white skin in the game. That means letting our communities thrive and providing income and jobs, which makes a difference. And just by chance, you might have the opportunity to experience our culture, our people, our vibrant vitality of life and celebrate us with your resources as human beings and your economic vitality to uplift us. And five, love Black people like you love Black culture. Obviously, you know, we've been the original brand ambassadors for music, art, film, fashion, language. Everybody loves to wear, listen, and speak Blackness, but they don't like Black people. And I think we all know why during recent events. Um, not everybody, but there's a lot of people who haven't been supportive of Black people. So. If you're going to engage in Black culture, which is really a part of the American experience, I think we need to actively reach out, get to know who we are as a people, know our history, know our origin, how we got here, how we wound up in a country that was built on slavery, systemic white supremacy, and just all-out brutality stemming into the police situation to where we are now. But the good news is it could get better. And we just have to actively work hard as people, as corporations, and as a community. So those are the five things. Additionally, I think, Ish, you might want to have some other ideas to talk about. Uh, absolutely. But, I, man, just when it comes to supporting Black businesses and cultural events, it's, it's, it's much deeper than just um, in a sense of just like showing support and, and, and being available. It's making sure that you merge all these different pillars into what you're actually doing. And you'll see how um, the small nuances of your dedication will provide a way to absolutely make the whole environment a lot much more human and allow people to understand what side you stand on. Because to stand, into middle, to stand in the middle is to stand um, with the opposition, you know, because it's so many layers that. We have to pull back every day. So many microaggressions that us as Black people have to deal with. The last thing we need is to know or not know if an ally is with us or against us based off of um, the small nuances that anyone can easily check by just being on top of all these things that have um, been, all these things that have been said, you know? So it's been a crazy week, you know? And ultimately, I do feel that there's a lot of hope and seeing these five ways are just the immediate step. But I do feel that ultimately diving in and having these better conversations with colleagues, friends, family, even people who you may not uh, be kind to or may be kind to you are necessary. Definitely. Thanks, Ish. Danielle, welcome to the podcast as well. Are, are there any first thoughts that you'd like to share? My first thoughts, uh, especially in the corporate environment, to me, it comes down to just having compassion towards your fellow human being. Um, there's a lot of times where we as women in particular, we have to come into work the next day, put on a smile, talk with brands, talk with our coworkers, 
like nothing happened. Like we just like one of our brothers or sisters, even though we are not related by blood that, you know, they are our, they are our people all the same that are just getting laid out senselessly on the street. And we still have to come to work like nothing happened. So I feel sometimes if um, people just in general can have um, some compassion behind that, treat us with a little more kindness. I feel like this week now more than ever, we, like it, Ish and I were talking about earlier that we were actually being seen um, and it shouldn't have to take an incident or incidents like this to happen. Uh, so I feel like more now than ever, I think that people should just from a spiritual standpoint, just exercise more compassion towards each other. Absolutely. Why don't we dive into the first of the five things, Lori, be an effective anti-racist by educating yourself. So when we talk about these five things, um, the first one that comes to mind is really be an effective anti-racist by educating yourself. Declare that you're anti-racist, put it into action by speaking up and speaking out. In order to be a more informed advocate for the cause, you need to educate yourself and do the homework. Familiarize yourself with understanding what white supremacy is, how it has been deliberately embedded in institutionalized racism. So here are the pillars, education, housing, business, finance. Corporate America, healthcare, government, policing, and the criminal justice system, just to name a few. White people can learn more by going to Obama.org, SURJ, showing up for racial justice, BLM, Black Lives Matter, and Color of Change. They offer tools to help you get there. But more importantly, read. Read everything you can by James Baldwin to understand the complexities of life for Blacks in America. His book, The Fire Next Time, is a good place to start. Familiarize yourself with five key pieces of Supreme Court case law that are essential to framing the white supremacy narrative in America because it's in a deliberate effect on discrimination in America as we know it. So that's the Brown versus Board of Education, number one, two, Plessy versus Ferguson, three, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and five, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Lori, well said. For me, one thing that will be a tool for people to um, to be an effective anti-racist by educating yourself is by having the tool of wanting to be curious in this type of um, like segment of, of life. And what I mean by that is you have to think as long as white Americans have been on U.S. soil, so have blacks. And the first thing you should do, just think to yourself. What were Blacks doing during that time? And just follow the trail. And then from there, you will be more than informed on where our history stems from, where it lies, and how we've gotten to where we've gotten. You know, from there, you'll see all pivotal moments. You'll see Blacks fighting, I mean, alongside their brothers in all the wars, the World War, the Revolutionary War, people fighting for freedom and then coming back home and not having those same freedoms that other veterans may have had. Also, Things like the Jim Crow laws. People hear these um, these terms, sayings, come out of a lot of civil rights activists' mouths and may not really be averse in what they really are. But what those things are are pivotal things that allowed the the privilege and the amount of um, how do I want to say it? The amount of glazed overness that people are having towards uh, racism. How it how it basically was fed. Because when you think about the three-fifths compromise, that means Black people at that time were three-fifths of a human, a.k.a. we were property. So b- because of these things, they instilled these things. So 
you know, so blacks wasn't able to learn a proper education or wasn't able to learn how to um, read, write and then vote and important things and have actual voice in this country and more or less be, you know, considered property um, to be bought by people and things like that just have to be spoken about because we've made great strides educationally, scientifically, morally, even in politics, us as blacks that were even more triumphant because of the hurdles that we had in front of us. So just educating yourself and being curious to understanding how we even got to where we are now was pivotal in the actual details of it. It should actually like to kind of pick up on what you talked about with the whole three-fifth um, equation and the notion of property. I think a lot of people really need to understand um, how Black people um, exist in America and how we came to be as we are right now in this very moment. The three-fifths situation that, you know, Ish is talking about is basically um, representative of our framers who put together the Constitution. And the notion there was an ideology that all men are created equal. That is a profound statement to say, but in reality, the very people that were signing the contract of America and the Constitution were also slave owners, which meant that they trafficked in Black bodies to secure their generational wealth, stocking their plantations with Black bodies years after years that they've planned, you know, they've passed down. And what that has done is essentially invalidated our life as people. So we were never considered people. We were always considered property, which meant that we were never considered full human beings, let alone Americans in the United States. So that evolution, that issue you've been talking about, fighting side by side with our white American brethren through wars, having to literally build America on the literally on our backs as slaves bent over, um, not being able to take breaks as slaves because there's no such a thing. Um, all the brutality that exists of making America, quote unquote, great, and the, the enormous financial power that we've been able to yield is because of Black people who have spent years, centuries, giving to this country and being told that they don't matter. And I talk about the unmattering of Black life, which is why there is a built-in um, conscious and subconscious reality that people, specifically white people, go about their everyday lives, whatever really ever thinking about us in the C-suites, in the upper echelon of corporate America, and just about everything else that we do as people, because we've never been considered fully evolved people. We hear the term animals thrown around. So that all lends itself to how people look at African-Americans. Oh, and well, oh, man. Well said. That's deep. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's a perfect and it's a perfect segue into the defunding the police situation. So you brought up a great point when you said if no one would like fully considered us equal. Well, then that's why you get so many instances where so many patrollers or cops, and I want to make sure I make the distinguish, um, I want to distinguish the difference because a detective, uh, a lieutenant, all these, all these said things are much different than a patroller. And what people have to understand is, is that cops that are patrolling around may not have the social skills to understand 
a situation that they're put into. Now, should they? Absolutely. You know, Chris Rock made a really good analogy in a, um, in a joke, and it shouldn't be a joke, but it is. But ultimately, um, there's no such thing as a non-perfect pilot. To be a pilot for a plane, you can't just be crashing planes everywhere. To be a doctor, when, you, when someone does malpractice, they get sued to the highest level. Why is it with cops, almost a third of cops can be wrong and it's just part of the job? No, a, a, a cop should want to take their job as seriously as an air pilot does. There should be no room for error. There should be no human lives lost unless it is the last resort. It should not be one of the first situations that someone wants to dive themselves into. And because of these gray areas and because of people not knowing their history, it has allowed people to be able to, I mean, the words, just just thinking about George Floyd right now, I almost like lost some words, but just like people have really abused the law, like to the point where we really need to use our power and defund, you know, the police system in ways that allows them to educate themselves and reevaluate what they're built on, because they were also built in a sense on racism and slavery because the original badge and the original cops per se, I'm using air quotes here, bear with me podcast listeners. The original badge was to find um, former slaves or runaway slaves. And that's always been baked into the police DNA, whether or not people stand for that or not. It just is, it's a part of it. The same way racism and slavery is a part of America. And the more we face that, the more we deal with that, the more we can come to a fix. And defunding the police is definitely one of the primary actionable things we can do to start that fix. But Ish, on that, and and I agree, there's also a need, and I know we'll talk about voting later down the road, but but putting politicians in into office to get rid of policies like broken window policing, stop and frisk, these are systemic issues that that have led to the the unnecessary murder of 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 black people in our society uh do, is it wouldn't defunding policing and, and the need to vote go hand in hand absolutely but it's 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 so deep that it's a situation where even the voting situation they've found a way to implement systemic racism and holding people back so i'll give you a perfect example once they broke up the black families in the 80s during the crack era and things like that, and they implemented the three-strike law, for years, people wasn't able to vote if they were a convicted felon. If you have a third of a black community that's been a convicted felon or, or anything of the sort and they're grown, you know, it's not really the youth that, you know, that we're speaking about, we're talking about grown-ups, then you're limiting the amount of black voices that can actually use their power to vote, to make a change, to be a part of their community and be an effective civilian within their community. They forfeited that loss, whether or not it was voluntary or involuntary. So little things like that, you're absolutely correct, but they've also found a way to hack into that and make that not fair. And it's just one more point. When you talk about breaking up the Black family, it wasn't even in the 80s during the, the, the height of the crack um, problem. They've been breaking up Black families since actual times of slavery yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely sorry black about people yeah. were not allowed to marry and when they had children those children were not considered their own they were considered property of their slave master 
and sold off for profit. That is also why there is an insidious, deep-seated psychological um, context of why Black people are somehow void of having a solid family life. In fact, the Black family are probably one of the most strongest, significant families in terms of being tight and solid um, that we can find in America. Also because we've worked so hard to keep it intact, but we've got all kinds of issues now setting ourselves right here today from police brutality and the brutal killing of Black men to COVID-19, taking out Black people in massive amounts. And yes, underlying conditions are part of it, but we also have to look at the systemic racism and healthcare management and who is being treated for the disease and who is being provided body bags to have their bodies tossed aside because there was also a notion that those Black people may not make it. So why do we need to give them, you know, ventilators in the first place? So there's all these things that have gone into our survival. So, and our, and our threat and us being active living human beings here in America, let alone having to, you know, thrive. And then, yeah, I know you can speak in corporate to, America. I know you can speak to this as well. The education, again, the more you know, the more these things that we're saying are not shocking. They're just things that you understand are present and they're not so wild. They're very much like, whoa, this is the truth. And the truth is the truth. And how we speak on it, you would think we'd have doctorate degrees on this, but this is just the reality <laughs> of, what go, of what goes on. And we have to be um, understanding of these things because this is our environment. So if you have a, a, a privilege that you feel like, wow, I'm really learning something over these past 20 to 30 minutes, you may just want to go back to part uh, to number one and say, wow, I really do need to educate myself because if I'm hearing things that I've never felt like I've heard before, Trust me, it's not theory. It's it's literally how we have to go about living and, and understanding things. I would totally agree. There's um, something that also wasn't mentioned, but but it kind of runs hand in hand with the three-fifth. There's also about the, the brown paper bag rule as something that was started allegedly back in Louisiana as what was defined as beauty. And the lighter skin you were, that meant you had more European features. And that was even like, well, what, how would I say? Um, it's kind of used as a, like a, a way of like, oh, they're, they're more beautiful. They're more approachable. And that within itself has led into color discrimination. So whether or not you thought about like fairer or lighter skinned people, how they receive better treatment because they, because of their more European features or how they tend to be in the workplace, um, as opposed to dark skinned people, I have. I have a friend of mine who's dark skin and the things and she's in uh, film production and the things that she deals with as a dark skinned black woman is unheard of as the person as compared to somebody else that she's dealing with this like on her team as a fair skinned black person. And these are the things that it, within our own race that white people don't understand that we could that they could understand more about is how we have the colorism within inside of our race that kind of like determines how um, we are paid um, how we're, and how we're treated. Definitely. So thank you for that. And, and I think we can uh, move ahead now to the, the third thing, 
uh, here. And, and Lori, do you want to read that one? Yeah, the third thing um, is e using your privilege for good and organize, um, you know, your own community, your own white community where you live. I mean, obviously, a lot of us live in a very mixed urban setting here in New York City, but a lot of us also live in suburban areas that are very isolated um, and they don't get a chance to see a lot of African-American people. Um, so essentially, you know, what we want people to do is break away from this emboldened white supremacist ideology and join movements for justice that can help tip the balance of power and win real change. Because for a long time, um, we've relied on the silence of white people and we've been dying. So we can't do that anymore. We need white people to join with us as allies for the cause. There are all kinds of incredible organizations like um, Black Lives Matter, um, Color for Change, all these things that you can do to familiarize yourself, donate your time and money um, so that you can have real skin in the game, your skin, white skin, and we are allies to try and fight this thing called racism and white privilege and white supremacy, which is the ultimate virus that is really killing us all right now, in addition to COVID. So um, chances are you already have a brother or sister or your son or daughter that are out there in the streets right now joining um, the march for freedom, for equality, to stop police brutality, to keep Black people alive. Um, so we need more of that. And you can donate your time and your money to places um, that will do that. Um, I think we could probably post a lot of these organizations, um, uh, you know, when we post the podcast so that you have a chance to sift through and really see um, how you can effectively help, you know. And Lori, thank you for sharing that. You know, it's as someone with white skin, I understand. And every time I speak with you all, I, I hear this, you know, I want to be an ally. I know that I'll be an imperfect ally. And every day I try and try to strive for perfection um, and, and donating time and money feels like the least that can be done. And it's so important. Uh, so when we post the podcast uh, later, we'll make sure to add a, a large swipe of organizations that uh, hopefully everyone will do their part and, and commit to giving money and time towards. Before we move further, I would like to add on to what Lori just mentioned as far as additional organizations and to what Ish spoke to earlier as far as um, felons not being able to vote. Um, whether or not you're currently living in the state of New York or you're absentee voting on the behalf of another state, I would definitely think uh, say that you should look into the voting rights for your state and see if there's a coalition or an organization that's fighting for the people of uh, felons to help expunge those, not only expunge the records, but it's also to help with paying for the fees. Um, because oftentimes, like there's an organization called the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, and oftentimes people just owe money back to the court and they don't even know how much they owe. And records can get spun around that they, let's say they might owe $500, but when they go check it out, they might owe $1,000 or $2,000. And that, little fee within itself is what could keep them from voting. 
And I'm not saying just now um, as we face an important election, but even myself back in the year 2000 during the Al Gore uh, Bush election, I was a disenfranchised voter in the state of Florida. And we understand if anybody remembers what happened in the state of Florida that year, how ballots were lost. Um, I was involved in the NAACP chapter of my school, even with uh, we went down to Miami with and talked to the NAACP president about how black voters, some of them were actually detained from um, voting because police would stop them within a certain mileage away from the voting polls from the places and just for the color of their skin, saying that allegedly they fit the profile of somebody that was involved in a, a crime. So just I would just implore people to just look into different organizations in your respective state and see how you can get involved in areas like that as well. And I know we are facing a time of COVID uh, where our money might be a little tight, but if there's any way that you could, you know, <laughs> just even donate your time and to still just educate yourself on these things that we deal with on a daily basis. Absolutely. Well said, Danielle. Very, yeah, thank you. Uh, and now on the on the fourth uh, thing for today, supporting black businesses and black cultural events. Absolutely. It can range from an art show. It can range from going to a library when there's an author and has who has a perspective, you know, on on black lives or especially a black author. Clearly, like anything that is black owned or, you know, we buy black. I mean, so to speak, why not support? Because you know that it's going to someone who is understanding their struggle and announcing their struggle by even letting it be known that they're black owned to begin with. Also, just being around a different culture will allow you to understand how we move as people, but also things that may be considered touchy and things like that. You'll fully understand how we see it and how we normalize it and also how we anticipate our own future. And just being involved will allow you to not feel like um, a guest. It will make you feel like we're more family tied, you know? And it's so interesting that, like, that people feel that Black culture isn't American culture. But in reality, it is. And it's so, it's so interesting, like, when you get to the small details of who we are as people, it seems so foreign to so many. But it's really not because you love all the all the great attributes that we offer. But when it comes to the small nuances, it it, it makes people a, a bit, fr uh, you know, a bit frightened because they think about, oh, the elephant in the room. Look, we live with the elephant in the room every day. I don't wake up and just bring it up. It's OK. We can move forward and you can learn some things as well and just realize how great it feels to just support a community that is all about each other and uplifting each other in the best way because it's actually not being told uh, like that in the media. You let the media tell it, the black dollar doesn't fully stay into the communities and things like that. There's some truth to every lie, but understand that there are ways, you know, that we also need other races and other segments of people to buy into what we have as well. Everyone likes Thai food. Uh, like no one says support Thai businesses. When you think of Thai food, you just think of food that you would love to eat. Same thing with um with other um uh, with other groups of with other uh, with other groups of ethnicities, things of the sort. So it should be the same way with what we have going on. It's just a part of American culture. You just got to dive in and understand that it is really not that big of a deal to fully and 
to fully involve yourself in a culture that you may be blind to at the moment. It's okay. And a great place to start is really just going to We Buy Black. It's an open marketplace that has a whole selection of things that you can buy. You can buy made by African-American entrepreneurs, artists, um, designers, and you would support them um, and their businesses and help to make our community thought thrive after all. You know, um, in advertising, one of the first things we learn is community. So you can do that by supporting Black communities um, and by what they're making, understanding the culture, and increase our buying power overall. That's awesome. And and we'll post some of these links as well when we post the podcast uh, to make sure that all of our listeners and everyone across across the great community can visit these sites and, and support Black businesses and Black cultural events. And finally, our last thing today is love Black people like you love Black culture. So the fifth principle really of our five things is to um, love Black people like you love Black culture. Um, that is a serious kind of uh, talk that's going on around right now um, and conversations all over the country, sp- specifically with black people. You know, we kind of marvel how, you know, you know, the latest dance, you know, the music, um, you know, the people who are creating all the elements of style. But like you don't really know who we are and what things we're dealing with, and why that is. So um, we really need you to sort of understand that. So love Black people like you love Black culture. And what does that mean and how can you be effective at it? Um, Black people have always been trendsetters. They're the architects of style, music, pop culture, and language that is applauded and appreciated worldwide. But, you know, Black people really are the original brand ambassadors, okay? We need to acknowledge that. Uh, But on a deeper level, don't just appreciate our art appreciate the fact that we are human beings that are really being exterminated and we need your help to survive and thrive. To know us is to love us, you know, reach out, get to know people that you work with, Um, get to know black folks that might be in your neighborhood or in your community or at the gym that you go to. Um, Support black causes, donate your money to support black candidates, demand greater representation of black people for leadership roles to help lead us all um, into this notion of democracy and to perform a, a, you know, to form a more perfect union, you know, donate your time, your money, your energy, and your heart to all the areas that are supported um, in the pillars of white supremacy because we've got to break that down now. So in business and healthcare and financing and education, we need your power, your time, your volunteerism, you know, to make things better. You know, we need you to uplift and promote to for a better country. Um, to celebrate us instead of discriminate against Black people. So make it a part of your practice as a concerned white American and anti-racist. So let's go, you know, let's go. Black Lives Matter and let's be all hope dealers. Thank you, Lori. Ish, Danielle, any final thoughts? I just want to say thank you to everyone on the podcast and all people at Gray for taking this hat on and not letting this linger, not letting this be something that just sits around as it's been doing for many years. And I want to just let people know that our differences is what bring us together, actually. And understanding someone else and learning someone else's culture and learning 
why someone is the way they are and just being a supporter of good. As long as you're supportive of good and having a healthy balance of understanding that things are not right and they can become right as long as we have a steadfast pace of positivity and promoting awareness and being aware of what's going on as well and not just going through life as is, we'll we'll get somewhere as a society. Absolutely. Especially in our advertising creative world where it's our duty to create proper messaging in the world to let people know that we're aware of all systemic situations and all different forms of problems that we love to solve, especially here at Gray. Absolutely. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that and just say thanks to Gray for being a, a space and providing a lane for people like myself, Ish, Lori, those that are others that are working behind the scenes um, to just let us be who we are and um, truly be able to express our most authentic self and live in that. Um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, that I feel that you know, that we are just one human race and that we should just express and exercise empathy and compassion towards each other. We may not be able to stand in somebody else's shoes, but just to be able to understand it would allow each other to treat each other with it with a little more kindness, excuse me. So that's what how I feel about it. I couldn't agree with you more, Danielle. I mean, I think um, Ish and myself and Danielle, we have that amazing foundation of working at an advertising agency that creates messaging for people. And the fact that we are taking the time to create a new message of how we interact with Black people and understand the Black experience is really extraordinary. Um, we have more than the opportunity to just hang a hashtag on our digital shingle as corporate facing businesses and really engage in the conversation and and work at it, shape the images um, to get us together and fight against all the things that are making life difficult uh, for a divided nation and bringing us together. And the only way to do that is to join each other together. And it starts with dialogue, just like we're doing right now in this podcast. So we're really appreciative that um, Ray and WPP and all of our thought leaders and stakeholders have come together to provide an opportunity for us to hear our voices, um, understanding who we are as people and our identity is step one. And if we keep on working together, I think, you know, we can make it, you know, um, we have to have hope and be, you know, kind of hope dealers. That's, that's great. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Be a hope dealer, you know? Well, I just want to say thank you, Lori. Thank you, Ish. Thank you, Danielle, uh, for, for coming on to the Five Things podcast and sharing the five things that anyone who listens to this, anyone who shares it, uh, can help do uh, to do their part as a human and, and to be a hope dealer. Uh, I'm. I can only hope that that everyone will listen and, and act now. Uh, Lord knows we need it. I have one last thought that I just like to add to that. Um, as we see the protesters that are out in the streets, out in every city across our nation, one of the most effective nonviolent forms of protest we can all exercise as 
is your right to vote. It is a powerful tool because it makes the difference of who manages the school board, who manages the city council, who becomes the sheriff in your town, and who becomes the mayor of your town. And once you know that, you know who has the power to manipulate good versus evil. And that outcome has a systemic direct effect on who is living and who is dying, who is thriving and who is not. So together, if we vote, we understand how necessary it is. and We understand policy and the effective movement of change, starting with being an anti-racist. We're going to make tremendous progress and be those hope dealers that we talk about because hashtag Black Lives Do Matter. Um, so thank you. Uh, I, any last words? I know, Danielle, if you wanted to share something here at the end. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll close out. Yeah, I'm just going to read a list of names um, whose lives have been taken from us uh, by the hands of cops, by the hands of people who don't see us as their equals and other than cops. Um, but just know that there's so many more people that aren't on this list that we fight for every single day, that we grieve every single day. And we carry their spirit with us every single day. Um, so with that said, I'm going to begin. George Floyd, Latanya Haggerty, Sean Bell, Akil Dinkins, Gregory Gunn, Samuel DeBose, Brendan Glenn, Natasha McKenna, Christian Taylor, Ezel Ford, Akai Gurley, Laquan McDonald, Jamar Clark, Rakia Boyd, Sharice Francis, Ramarley Graham, Manuel Loggins Jr., Ronald Madison, Kendra James, Margaret Laverne Mitchell, Tamir Rice, Ahmad Arbery, Pamela Turner, Sandra Bland, Brianna Taylor, Corin Gaines, Atatiana Jefferson, Chantel Davis, Trayvon Martin, Deborah Danner, Eric Garner, Michael Brown Jr., Philando Castile, Amadou Diallo, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Alton Sterling, Oscar Grant, John Crawford, Emmett Till, Yvette Smith, Patrick Dorismond. And I'm going to read a quote that was just recently said by the Reverend Al Sharpton during one of many Memorial services that will take place over the next few days uh, for George Floyd. He said, quote, but the thing is, I want us to be real cognizant of is there's a difference between those calling for peace and those calling for quiet. Some of y'all don't want peace. You just want quiet. You just want us to shut up and suffer in silence. End quote.
That's our five things for this week. Thank you to our guests, and we'll see you soon.